0: We sat on the edge of Armageddon. I am not
1: afraid.
0: Okay, okay. Welcome back. This is the Cooking Up Raw podcast. Today we got a special edition because we're back to reviewing pay-per-views. We're reviewing the In Your House pay-per-view from May 11th, 1997, the Cold Day in Hell pay-per-view. I am your host, Addy, or Gray Hoodie Addy on Twitter, or GreyHoodie.Addy on IG. Shout out to those that have been waiting for the podcast. I know you're glad we're back. And I've got my co-host here today. You want to introduce yourself?
1: What's going on? On IG and Twitter, uh, back again for another week of the Cooking Up Raw podcast. I'm looking forward to this one.
0: Yep, yep. So this week we're just going to be looking at the pay per view, not the, um, not Raw. I think we'll record that sometime else later this week. I'm guessing this is your first in your house event. Yes, it is. So how do you feel about this whole um, in your house uh, setup? Basically, the, the first thing we see is a literal house. <laughs> as the setup give me your thoughts uh,
1: it was interesting because uh leading into it it was uh i guess it was marketed as kind of like just based on the raw that we watched it was marketed as a cold day in hell so i kind of had the feeling of like uh maybe a thematic pay-per-view uh similar to like an armageddon or a maybe a no mercy or something like that but just seeing it with the in your house stage was pretty uh pretty interesting to me i guess it's something that they had where they would keen this keep the same stage set up and then just do different themes every month or however or whenever they broadcast, it, I should say.
0: How would you even make a set for a cold day in hell? Like
1: I don't know, like a half fire, half a half ice kinda deal. <laughs> it's a creative side of me, sparking up <laughs> WWE if you're hiring. Let me know.
0: They don't have budget for <laughs> that, bro. So all the sets look <laughs> the same. Do you miss true, true. The, the era of having different sets for different pay-per-views?
1: I, I dig that. I used to like that a lot, actually. Um, thought it was just cool. For, like Some of them, they really executed well, and then some of them were kind of whatever. But stage design, I was always a fan of it.
0: Do you have a favorite non-WrestleMania one?
1: Um, I probably have to say like SummerSlam. SummerSlam was a pretty cool set until they Which reverted one? back to the standard one.
0: I don't remember SummerSlams really being that different, though.
1: Uh, it was just like I don't know. I guess like the colorway and everything. I know it wasn't like the craziest set per se, but I don't know. It stuck out to me for some reason.
0: Okay, okay. I think for me, Backlash, because Backlash had like the swinging hooks.
1: Oh yeah, the scythe or whatever. Yeah. Or
0: um, what else did they have? Oh, that they did that Royal Rumble in Madison Square Garden. In 2000 or 2001, where they did Triple H versus uh, Cactus Jack. So, MSG events usually have like the two doors open right where the ring is at, like against the hard cam.
1: Right. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. they
0: set that up to look like a street with like cars and stuff. So, I thought that was pretty dope. Huh. What's crazy about the In Your House was when they first started this concept, they actually had a contest to win a house and they've they've stopped that since so <laughs> they're like yeah if you wow. order the pay-per-view you could win a house um how do you feel do you think they've done a good job with setting up their their b pay-per-views as, apart from their i guess big five
1: um i think there was i don't know if i missed something but i feel like there was like a lack of information of what was going on, like I don't even think they mentioned the opening match at all in the prior run. I feel like for a send-off show, you wanna you wanna really push forward what you're bringing to them on pay-per-view in order for people to buy it.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you see this similar as like an NXT takeover, or uh, it's, it's completely different?
1: I don't. No, I don't. I don't really get that vibe from it. Really, not not too much. What about you?
0: I think not NXT. I think the only thing close to takeover is the the show length, right? But, um, I really love how it's it's much shorter than like a WrestleMania or SummerSlam would be. Yeah, cause look th- at Extreme Rules last night. That thing was what four or five hours
1: long. Four or five hours for such a drag. Yeah, I think I uh, I messaged you when I was watching it the first time. Uh, watching this pay per view the first time in your house. Uh, I was really appreciative of it being what maybe two hours total, not even, and it was just like it was it was easy to watch.
0: Yeah, I I love this length pause.
1: (laughs) Pause, super pause.
0: (laughs) Tonight we also get the WWF debut of Ken Shamrock. He will be facing Vader, and we also have Ahmed Johnson versus the whole nation of Domination in succession. So. Basically, a slobber knocker from the the old SmackDown days on, on the video games. Huh. But we open up with Flash Funk versus Hunter Hearst Helmsley. And uh, you, I th- did you message me or say this in real life that you forgot Flash Funk was on the roster? So I was kind of surprised that you remembered him. What's your yeah, I... fond memories of Flash Funk or Too Cold Scorpio?
1: His... um. I think it was in person. We were talking in person. Yeah. What about him that stuck out to me was his moveset for the time. It was really, uh, I wouldn't say it was high risk per se, but it was more so you could tell that he was willing to take the spots, take the bumps in order to put on a good show. And I really liked uh, how he performs, especially in this open opening match.
0: Yeah, it's refreshing because he does have like this high flyer moveset. And sure, it's nothing like you see on uh, WCW with the cruiserweights, but he's not a small guy. And it's crazy because this seems like part of that ECW talent exchange where um right. they have him, but they didn't use him to the best of his ability. Like they made him Flash Funk. They should have just kept him as Too Cold Scorpio. Right. But, um, let's get on with the match. So the Funkettes do not come along with Funk. King mentions that China may have intimidated them from coming out to ringside. We also get a replay from Shotgun Saturday Night of mankind. uh, Sorry, China hitting mankind with a low blow twice as he had the mandible claw on Hunter. Funk begins the match with a couple of arm drag takedowns into an armbar. Ross tells us that there are five seats at ringside for the Heart Foundation. Meanwhile, Hunter goes for a clothesline. Funk avoids it with a cartwheel. And hits Hunter with a clothesline of his own to the sec- uh, sorry to the outside from the second rope. Ross tells us that Shamrock was attacked by Vader and mankind during the free for all pre-show, as China nails Flash from behind as the ref was busy with Hunter. Hunter then lands his painted, uh knee jawbreaker, followed by his high knee. Then Flash recovers from the ropes. China hits him with the right hand, but Hunter only gets a two count. Funk is then thrown onto the ramp from the apron as Hunter runs the ropes and crashed into him. Hunter goes to the top ropes, gets kicked in the face to knock out Hunter and possibly mount a comeback. He then goes for a spinning leg drop but only hits a two count. Then he, hits, he goes for a somersault crossbody, breaks his own pin, and then signals for his finisher. He goes for the funky flash splash. Yeah, <laughs> but Hunter shoves him and hits an overhead suplex for the top uh from the top rope. Hunter goes for the pedigree, gets the win, and we have your winner, Hunter Hurst Helmsley via Pinfall. Afterwards China picks up Flash overhead and crotches Funk onto the ropes as Hunter laughs. Um what are your thoughts about this opening match here?
1: Um decent opening. Uh like I said, seeing Flash Funk was cool. Uh they're really pushing China, I feel as this uh not a monster heel per se, but just like a monster in general, especially considering obviously she's a woman. But uh, I don't know. At the expense of other wrestlers, it's kind of weird to see her in this position just because uh, at this point, we don't know how far she's going to go with it. Mm-hmm. But uh, other than that, the match was it was it was OK. It was um, it got it got my attention, at least just because of Flash Funk more so than anything else. But it was a decent opening match.
0: How do you feel about this version of Triple H so far? Well, he's not even Triple H yet. He's still Hunter.
1: Hunter uh Hunter hurst Helmsley he's entertaining I, I will I will give him that the gimmick is really uh it plays to his strengths especially his physical uh the physicality of him I guess you could say uh his look really it's appropriate for the gimmick um I don't know I feel like he's kind of capped off at a certain level with this uh with this current look and feel for him uh I feel like A gimmick change was definitely what would have pushed him to the next level that he did eventually attain
0: yeah he's not at that physical um body shape that we're used to seeing him in he's probably like 30 pounds lighter than what we're used to seeing right i don't find him that interesting i think like you said china's probably the most interesting part about him and we were when sinet and i were reviewing the the earlier parts of raw uh, it was just Goldust and and Triple H, and we both agreed that China was the best thing going. And <laughs> China is probably booked really well on this roster. Uh, mm-hmm. She's probably she's a really underrated manager or valet, something that you don't get to see a lot today. Like, who do you have? Just Ellsworth and Heyman.
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: So it, it's cool seeing someone like China, because she, she has that physical presence. So we transition to the footage of Ken Shamrock in the UFC as they interview him. Shamrock says that he's focused and in his zone, and Vader and mankind cannot stop him. We get your next match: Rocky Mayavia versus Mankind. So it's a nice kind of weird. We get two really big matches that would have been really big two years from now, but tonight, huh. like main event level stuff. So we get uh, Todd interviewing Rocky as Mankind makes his entrance. Rocky says he's learned a whole lot on the way down more than on the way up and that this isn't about his destiny, but his determination. Ross tells us that Rocky has just gotten married last week. Rocky walks away from Mankind and Mankind tries to sneak up, but Rocky catches him. Rocky lands a uh, dropkick, clotheslines Mankind outside of the ring. Rocky goes outside and Mankind begins to brawl with Rocky. We get an announcement that Paul Barrow will be on Raw tomorrow. Mankind hits a cannonball to the outside on Rocky. Then he lands some huge elbows in the corner, hits his uh, running knee, and squeals in Rocky's face. Both men then hit a clothesline at the same time to knock each other down. Rocky goes for a rock bottom on the ramp, runs back to the ring to break the count. Rocky then goes for his shoulder breaker, signals for the finish as the fans boo him, and Rocky goes to the top rope. Lens a cross body, but Mankind reverses it into a mandible claw as the c- crowd reacts and Rocky passes out and the ref rings the bell. So we have your winner, Mankind via submission. Um, thoughts on early Rocky via thoughts on early Mankind, brown Mankind.
1: It's uh, <laughs> it's pretty crazy to see these incarnations of these characters. It's like... Uh almost like an alternate universe thing really uh just because you're so when you think of the attitude area i feel like you're so used to shirt and tie mankind and hollywood not hollywood rocks per se but leather uh leather pants wearing rock (laughs) but uh jerry curl it was yeah jerry curl all that
0: brandon ingram rock
1: oh my gosh laker Hive, you taken out for that i'm sorry but um yeah i like uh I don't like, but Mankind's character is interest. It draws my interest at this point just because he's kind of, he's really tapping into that psycho, um, demented kind of character, which is pretty rare, especially nowadays. Mm -hmm. Um, Rocky, I feel like, is pretty stale at this point. He doesn't really have a personality outside of his uh, being the grandson of the great Peter Maivia. Um, And I can see. I guess you could see the potential. I'm not sure. Did you see potential in this match of what was to come in the future?
0: Yeah, there's something about looking at Rocky. Um even though it yeah, we have hindsight, but there's something looking at Rocky that kind of there's something about him that that makes him look different from the rest of the roster. Like there's something special about him. And that's the same right. thing I kind of saw in Cena when he debuted against Angle. I didn't know what it was. I couldn't put my finger on it, but I I knew Cena was going to be someone. Well, not as big as he became, but I I see the same thing with Rocky. Like, there's something there. It's just something needs to change. And it's the the same thing I see with Roman, because Roman's pretty generic, too. Like, there's nothing to him. And it's the the same thing with Rock. Like, there's nothing to him right now, but you change that one thing, and then anything can happen. Yeah. Um, thoughts on the match so far or
1: uh, match was it was another one that was I was okay with it it wasn't necessarily very uh, it didn't leave much of an impact on me Um, personally I wasn't a fan of I feel like there was a lot of rest during this match I feel like there wasn't much pace to it mm-hmm. and I think with these two I don't know if this is biased based on what I'm used to from their normal matches, I guess you could say, of always being action-packed almost bell to bell. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the maybe the, chem- the chemistry was definitely... It was present, but it wasn't there to its fullest potential, I feel. That's what I'll say about it.
0: Yeah, I think Rock ha- doesn't really have a move set other than, like, the cross body and, like, the drop kicks. Like, they try to focus on his athletics, but it doesn't really mesh together yet.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: so um we go to Ahmed Johnson versus the nation of domination. I still have my old notes where it says as <laughs> per podcast rules we do not need to review this match but <laughs> I still have notes so we'll do it anyways so Mon- uh President gorilla monsoon comes out to ensure and uh, order and kicks out the rest of the nation apart from those participating. So Ahmed will face crush first um, again, Ahmed is super over with the crowd. You can see that they're popping for him. He then beats Crush, then wrestles Savio Vega next. Then Savio hits Ahmed with a chair to get disqualified. Farouk is next, and then he takes off his sling to uh, reveal that he's not injured at all. Begins to work on Ahmed. Ahmed hits the Pearl River Plunge, but stalls to pin Farouk. Farouk then kicks out as the crowd boos. Farouk then chop blocks Ahmed and hits the Dominator for the win. So we have your winner Farouk via pinfall and the nation of domination does not have to disband. Um, thoughts on this whole segment here.
1: Um, it was, uh, I was kind of interested in seeing how they would play it out just because there were so many factors, so many performers involved in one match. Mm Uh, I was caught by surprise with Farouk winning. I for sure thought, um, it was going over. Oh yeah. Um, yeah um just based on them beating him down Wait. or the beatdowns and stuff like that prior
0: did you know about the stipulation
1: um uh the nation disbanding yeah yeah uh i know i, sh- I should have put two and two together but <laughs> in my head i really thought i was gonna win and maybe the nation comes back in a later at a later point but um yeah it's uh it was refreshing to see the heel win i like uh i like when that happens usually just because faces are i feel like in this time faces are generally op a little bit Mm -hmm. um but other than that the match itself uh may be drawn out a little bit too long just because i know you're supposed to keep your performers credible but um just this whole idea is kind of out there but yeah i was i was sports entertained i guess i'll say
0: okay um I'm ac- going back to this. I actually like the idea of Savio kind of sacrificing himself mm-hmm. by disqualifying himself, which is which is smart because that's the same thing that heals or what they tried to get through in last night's Ironman match by um mm-hmm. you know okay I'll lose a fall but by losing a fall I'll guarantee uh, the next point or the next fall so right. Savio, I guess, realizes he can't do any damage to Ahmed in just a legitimate match. So, why not hit him with the chair and then attack him. So, I I guess the Nation finally kind of looks smart in all of this instead of just them always winning the numbers game. Yeah. So, um, are you excited for
1: more Nation and Ahmed? Um personally i was kind of hoping this would be the end of it uh i'm not sure if there is more um there probably is more isn't there
0: There, there's definitely more
1: (laughs) uh yeah i don't know what other direction they could really take this that would keep me watching it or looking for it i should say but um
0: i'm not sure if this happens or not but i think there's going to be a moment where ahmed joins them
1: oh wow really yeah Okay, I, I, I guess I, that kind of makes sense.
0: I can feel it. So we go back and look at Raw where Vader had spit on Shamrock. Shamrock then comes to take a, down Vader. But then uh, Mankind goes to jump Shamrock. We go to backstage. Vader cuts an intense promo and that Ken knows nothing about Vader's pain game and that it's time. It's Vader's, uh, Vader time. So we got a no-holds-barred, no-pinfall match. Ken Shamrock versus Vader. This match can only end in knockout or submission, and JR reminds us that there is no standing eight count. So this is basically an MMA rules match, except no holds barred, so uh, small joint manipulation and all those type of things are legal. I'm guessing Loeb woes would have been legal in this, but they didn't say anything about that. So Ken comes out to a big pop from the crowd, and he comes out to the ring quickly. He starts off the match with a few uh, big leg kicks as Vader gets cornered. Vader lands a huge right to the stomach, tries to go for a waist lock, and Kimora, um, Ken Shamrock goes for the Kimura. Ken hits a couple more kicks, lands a big suplex on Vader, and Vader rolls out the ring. Um, I forget if it's JR or King, but we actually. No, it's J- definitely JR. JR gets uh, a plug for the UFC pay per view on May 30th. So. You know what? I didn't research to see what event that's going to be. Let's see.
1: It's pretty crazy.
0: Oh, UFC 13. Huh. Oh, the times have changed. Headlined by Guy Mezger versus Tito Ortiz. Jeez. Uh, actually, I don't know if that's the headliner. Oh no, this is a oh okay okay this was a double tournament event which is crazy because uh the tito ortiz and guy mesger fight is listed as a lightweight fight that's how you know this is so old <laughs> when there was only two weight classes two weight. Yeah. <laughs> heavyweight and not <laughs> anyways vader lands some body shots gets hit with a uh, huge german suplex Shamrock follows it up with some stiff forearms to the face. Ken tries to go for a knee bar, but Vader is able to escape again with the ropes. Ken is visibly upset and how at how easy it is Vader is allowed to escape. Ken then lands this combination of strikes, tries to go for a front face lock, but gets slammed, and gets hit with a huge strike from Vader. Vader is then placed in a triangle and arm bar position, to which JR calls a figure 4 choke or something like that. Vader picks up Ken, slams him uh, uh, over his head. Vader hits a suplex and tosses Ken over the ropes. Ken is tossed into the steps. Both men brawl outside. Vader goes for an ankle lock. Ken escapes, but Vader manages to get a rear naked choke, but Ken is able to roll out of it. Vader goes to the top rope, goes for the moonsault, misses, and Ken rolls away. Ken goes back to the leg kicks, gets a clinch to knee Vader, and follows with a power slam and goes for a leg lock. Shamrock then goes for a single leg bossing crab, but Vader uh, gets the ropes again. Shamrock then lands stiff knees and elbows to Vader, but Vader lands with a stiff lariat of his own, knocking down Ken Shamrock. Vader walks over, and Shamrock gets an ankle lock, and Vader taps right away. So we have your winner, Ken Shamrock, via submission. Um, Again, thoughts on this match. I think, for me at least, this was the most hyped match of the night. Um, What were your feelings on it?
1: Uh I think it delivered. Uh this is one of the few matches on the card that I feel like it did live up to the hype. Um it being not necessarily a traditional wrestling match was kind of refreshing. And to see Vader and Shamrock work in my opinion pretty well together was good too, seeing as this I guess this was his WWF debut. Mm-hmm. Um Vader again, like I said, I I missed the Vader train, I guess you could say. But uh I can appreciate his, his work in the ring. It's pretty it's pretty impressive and I don't think we'll necessarily be able to see something like that again. Even when he attempted that moonsault, it it, it blew my mind.
0: <laughs> There's this big dude flipping in the air. <laughs>
1: flipping in the air, fam. Oh my gosh.
0: I, I do yeah. I don't remember the last time he lands it, but I mean you can't blame <laughs> anyone for not wanting to take that
1: <laughs> yeah seriously it was um but yeah i i enjoyed it thoroughly uh, the finish was kind of abrupt i'd say mm-hmm. but i guess how else would you end it and then the post-match ethics were fun too so
0: yeah well i mean it's supposed to have that they're kind of trying to do like a mix of mma and pro wrestling so mm-hmm. it, i feel like it does have to have an abrupt finish because that's kind of how fights typically ended uh yeah back in the old days before, like before it was even really called MMA. And it's weird. Like this fight, it's like kind of a time capsule. Cause you're seeing that relationship between pro wrestling and MMA. And then you're also seeing like techniques and stuff like that, that aren't fully like understood. Like Jr. Didn't know what a triangle was. Right. Or, um, there were moves in there where it's like, okay, had, had, shamrock really known the effectiveness of this he wouldn't have let go of a muay thai clinch or mm-hmm. it, it's crazy it's a weird transition era it's like what trying to like watch basketball before the three-point line yeah happened. exactly it's, it's, like, a, it's really good
1: analogy yeah
0: it's it's weird seeing it and it it's crazy because it's not even that long ago like it's only 20 years or 21 years since this this has happened and I think this match kind of flies under the radar. I don't know why. I, To me, this is the best match of the night.
1: Yeah, I, I was I was just going to say that, too. Uh, it was my favorite, for sure. It's pretty and brutal. And, um, I think Vader I was gonna has ask a broken you, nose. Is Vader versed in mixed martial arts at all? or
0: No, he's just... I think all of experience comes from um, strong style wrestling back in Japan. Because he was big in Japan okay. in the 80s. So he's used to having to dish out damage. But... In a real fight, I think Vader would still get his ass kicked. Mm-hmm. but For sure. I mean, Vader took some nasty shots in this. Um, I think he does end up with a broken nose or something uh, as a result of this match. As a result of all those forearms. It's nuts. Yeah. Okay. So we cut back to the empty seats as Ross tells us that they're still waiting for the heart foundation to show up. Austin gets interviewed in the back, and Austin says that the Heart Foundation will be sent back to Calgary in wheelchairs, and hell will freeze over, and that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold says so. We got a replay of Austin stunning Taker, then Taker hitting Austin with the chokeslam after reviving himself. So we've got our main event tonight. The WWF Championship is on the line, where Taker faces Stone Cold, and I believe Stone Cold's first uh, solo title shot. So Austin comes out as the camera cuts the people in the crowd. I know this is a very pro-Austin crowd with tons of 316 t-shirts and Austin signs. However, I also noted that the crowd is not an anti-Taker crowd as they cheers for his entrance. The two then stare down and the crowd boos as the Heart Foundation make their way down to the aisle and head to their seats. Austin does not wait uh, for Taker to set up. He attacks them in the middle of their entrance and Taker is still wearing the championship belt and his jacket. Both men exchange blows. Austin is whipped into the ropes and goes out of the ring to grab Owen inside and attacks him, but Taker tosses Austin into the steps, then hits Owen back over the barricade and then punches Bulldog before leaving. Taker hits his jumping clothesline for a two count. Austin has Taker in a side headlock. Taker tries to escape by running the ropes, but is unable to get out, and they spend some time in this position, so basically a rest hold. Eventually, Taker pushes Austin into the ropes. Austin tries to shoulder tackle Taker, but Taker no-sells and ends up back inside on the side headlock. Taker then backflips Austin. Austin manages to land on his feet, works on the knee of Taker with some kicks. Taker then gets in some offense after picking up Austin by the throat and tossing him into the turnbuckle. Austin ends up ringside and slams Taker's legs into the ring post as the Hart Foundation heckle Austin both men are back in the ring and Austin goes back to working on the left knee of Taker. Austin then places Taker in an STF but breaks the submission to hit an elbow to the Taker, to, uh, an elbow to Taker from the outside of the ring. Austin then goes to use the ropes to hit Taker's leg, but Taker pushes him out with his other foot and tosses him into the steps. Taker now returns the favor and begins to work on Austin's left knee. He then places Austin in a half Boston crab. Austin then points at Brett and says something but is able and then is able to grab the ropes to escape it looks like austin is going to for a figure four but seems like he's confused as how to put it on and taker is able to escape taker then tries to go for old school but austin slaps the foot of taker to crotch him taker sits on the ropes austin attempts the superplex but taker stops it and tosses austin and goes for a big elbow after running the ropes but misses Taker and Austin both run the ropes. Taker goes for a sleeper, but Austin drops it into a stunner, and both men fall. Austin is resting in the turnbuckle, kicks Taker in the nuts as Hebner warns him, and then flips off Hebner as he turns around. Then Taker hits Austin with his own low blow, and then Taker lands a choke slam. Austin rolls to the ropes, snaps Taker on the ropes, and hits the stunner. Austin goes to pin Taker, but then the bell rings as the camera cuts to Pillman, who is ringing the bell. Hebner signals Pillman to go back to his seat, and Taker launches Austin into the ropes for a tombstone. Austin tries to counter it, but Taker is able to flip back right side up and hits the tombstone for the win. So we have your winner via pinfall and still WWF champion, The Undertaker. So, um, your thoughts on this match, thoughts on Taker in 1997, um, and just overall feelings.
1: Um... I'll start with my overall feelings, I guess. Uh, I don't know if I'm crazy to say this, but this match felt kind of un- underwhelming to me. Mm-hmm. Um, just based on what I know these two guys are capable of. I'm sure their prior engagements, if they had any, were maybe a bit different. But I know that there was a bit of a gimmick surrounding this match, especially with the Heart Foundation at ringside. And you knew at some point they were going to get involved. And I don't know if that took away from the performance. Yeah. Um, Taker, at this point, Taker seems like he's pretty dominant, especially against someone like Stone Cold Steve Austin, who's probably a hot like up-and-comer at this point. Or is, no, he's probably in his prime, I guess you'd say, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's um his offense. He, he lets Austin get his offense in, but at the end of the day, it's almost as if you know he's not going to just cleanly drop the belt to Austin, per se. Not at this point, anyway um and then when the heart foundation gets involved it just uh it was a creative way of doing it with him and ringing the bell but um i don't know i didn't get that big match feel from this match really uh even with the taker sit-ups and stuff like that it was just uh it was okay it was it was subpar for me in terms of match quality for what i expect for these two
0: yeah i feel this match didn't get out of first gear yeah like it it was just there there was a lot of rest holds there was a lot of um, working on on the knee, but I I thought this would have been their better match because on paper this is Austin's physical prime before the the injury, and this is um Taker at his physical prime because he actually has hops and he has hips to move
1: because
0: mm-hmm. um, every time he hits that that like jumping clothes line I'm impressed, but. I don't think they have their best match until maybe next year at SummerSlam or uh, the one on Raw where they, they set the record for most watched wrestling uh, segment of all time. Right. Um. Overall thoughts of how the foundation was involved or I guess, quote unquote, involved of the in, with the finish.
1: Um. It was, I was kind of happy that they didn't, uh, didn't get involved until the match was officially over. Mm-hmm. Um, it was nice not to see a run-in and interference and stuff like that. I thought it was... I, I don't know if I'm going to get <laughs> slacked for this, but I thought it was funny when Stone Cold pushed Bret Hart out of the wheelchair. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Just because it was it was so barbaric for the time. And what else would Stone Cold do, right? And then the brawl at the end was pretty fun too. But uh, overall, yeah. I, I don't know. This match wasn't it for me. Yeah. The, the stuff that happened after the bell was way more entertaining.
0: Yeah, let's talk about that. So before Taker can even celebrate the Hart Foundation, rush the ring and jump him. Hebner tries to stop him, but Neidhart tosses him. Austin then notices Brett all by himself. The camera cuts to Brett, and you can see that that look on Brett's face. <coughs> Austin flips him over and grabs his crutch to attack the rest of the Foundation in the ring. Taker chokes him, Owen as they clear the ring, and Brett limps by with Bulldog and the rest of the Foundation back to the house as Finkel announces the result of the match. Austin then stuns Taker. After Taker tries to celebrate again, Austin leaves Taker laid out in the ring and grabs the crutch to follow the foundation. Taker then quickly gets up and makes his way to the back as well. So, what are your oval th- uh, overall thoughts on this pay-per-view?
1: Um, overall, it was. Uh, I think the hype outweighed the, the product at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I mean that Vader and Shamrock match really delivered for me. Uh, the two opening matches were kind of whatever, and then the third one, I wasn't really interested in until after the match was done. Um, I'm not sure if this is how the pay-per-views are usually set up with uh, little to no information as to what is going on on the show prior. Um, but I feel like overall it was uh, it was, it was a passing mark. Like I guess we like to do that rating scale, but it's uh, it's just. Yeah, it was it was a passing mark. It wasn't a standout pay per view by any means. Maybe for sure falls into that B show cat, not B show, but B pay per view category.
0: What's what's what what strange scale can we come up with? <laughs>
1: that um, we
0: haven't used yet. Hmm. Gotta. What kind of straight Because before I, the ones I'm thinking of, we've used already, like uh. Yeah on on a scale from biker taker to your favorite taker which taker is this is this main event (laughs) we'll we'll use that since taker is is main eventing so which version (laughs) of taker is this this in your house event for you
1: Mm, i would say this is the first taker after biker taker okay um like, that shoot. being said i'm a stand for biker taker so maybe this isn't the best scale oh, <laughs> but i found that that first taker right after biker Wait, taker what, was really what's your worst take was really yeah
0: what's your worst uh, version of taker
1: my my worst taker um current taker what it's just i i i can't do it anymore man it's the hype's cool and stuff but as soon as he gets in that ring it's just Wait, like oh my gosh
0: where do you cut off current taker is current taker
1: I'm WrestleMania talking 30 Roman onwards. Taker, WrestleMania Taker.
0: So, like, oh, Roman until now. You have that set up. Yeah. Oh, because the way I have current Taker set up, it's post-streak loss and then up until today.
1: Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, I guess so that like, makes sense then. I, like, I'm I was going to say like Mohawk current, Taker,
0: current, like, but yeah. like Mohawk Taker involves, like, WrestleMania <laughs> 28 to 30, which is okay.
1: Okay, yeah, okay.
0: Post Street Taker has some hits on him, though. What you got? He has those two return matches with with Lesnar. The one at SummerSlam and the one at Hell in a Cell. Right. Um, And then his Royal Rumble appearance. That, yeah, okay.
1: Yeah. I'll, I'll give you those. I'll give you those. And his yeah.
0: match with Cena. His squash match with Cena.
1: <laughs> that, that was fun. I enjoyed that, to be honest with you. But... Yeah, if I had to rate this pay-per-view on that scale, that's how I would rate it. I think you can get the general idea of what I'm trying to say with that rating.
0: Okay. Yeah. What about you? It would probably be like bottom of the scale. Not quite. Because yeah. first biker taker was probably the worst one. Like denim shirt, biker taker.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um. Who would it be? It would probably be like the first like return of the dead man Taker. So like when he faced uh Kane at WrestleMania twenty, and then he faced the Dudley Boys, and then put Paul Bearer in in cement. Yeah, it's probably this Taker. It's like you, you got him back the way he want you want him to be, but it's just not as good as everything yes, else I'm yet. Saying, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's my version of Taker. Uh, I was going to ask what you rate this pay-per-view that was a rating <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay Jeez, that was quick
1: yeah I guess that's what four matches will do yeah four or five matches but yeah I will give this pay-per-view ratings just because of that shamrock uh Vader face off I really like that
0: Whoa, well what should we end off with you have any plugs anything else
1: um, nah. There's supposed to be a fixer podcast me.
0: dropping, but I don't know where that is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll find it. It's, it's in the lost file somewhere. So we'll, we'll get it out there.
0: <laughs> you should have went to pick it up, bro.
1: Yeah, I know. I should have done a lot of things this weekend.
0: You know yeah. what? Next time we record there, because we're not at this stew, you guys will probably notice. Yeah. Um, I'm going to bring a USB drive and just like probably a take very the file good idea. with me. What song should we end off with today? I think I know what song. Let's let's break the... uh, Let's break the... Time Machine a little bit. This is not the song I'm looking for. (laughs) Oh wait, Roland's not by Kid Rock.
1: <laughs> oh my God. It's uh it's by Limp Biscuit.
0: Yep. All right.
1: Kid Rock has a rolling.
0: Keep on rolling, baby. All right, you know later y'all. We'll be back <laughs> later this week. hands. <laughs> Keep going, on going, baby you can't, up you can't, you can't, no you it, Tell me what you gonna do now Breathe in now, you out
1: Hands up, hands down